The Joy of M Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinchapenny Pool Patio and Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for joining us again here on The Sweet Spot as we look ahead to the NFL playoffs. Yeah, four major games. The winners of these games advance to the conference championship in each respective conference. So we're going to dive into those four games as well. We'll do that a little bit later in the show. But the big news in the NFL is Urban Meyer becoming the new head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, there's been rumors for several weeks now that Urban Meyer could be looking at potential NFL head coaching jobs. And then over the last week or two, the stove got a little bit hot down in Jacksonville with some of those rumors. As we know, owner Shad Khan uh, has been courting Urban Meyer for a while. They say there's been, you know, meetings and, and meetings on his boat and just kind of everything, you know, flying him in and all that stuff. Uh, so Jacksonville got their man. Is this the right man for the job? We don't know. Only time will tell. But for my opinion, my thoughts are that, you know, when college coaches make that jump to the NFL, you really don't know what to expect. I mean, there's been some good and bad and all. I mean, if you look like in the back, you know, late 80s, early 90s, of course, Jimmy Johnson went from the Miami Hurricanes to the Dallas Cowboys, won two championships there before he and Jerry Jones just couldn't get along, and Jimmy Johnson decided to walk away. You look at Barry Switzer, who had success at Oklahoma. Then he went on to win a national championship and uh, win a Super Bowl in Dallas as well. So we've seen it work, but there's been several instances where the guys who were the cream of the crop in college were at the bottom of the totem pole in the NFL and didn't have any success whatsoever. Of course, you know Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach who made a name for himself being the head coach for the Florida Gators. He left and became the head coach for the Washington Redskins in the early 2000s. And, you know, he was there for only two years, two seasons, 12 wins, 20 losses. Next up, Bobby Petrino. We know he had success at uh, Louisville prior to making that jump to the NFL He decided to become the new head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. He didn't even last a full season. Three and ten before he quit. And it was talks that he left a laminated note for each player on their lockers uh, detailing his departure. I mean, what a coward that is. Nick Saban. Nick Saban, we know, two seasons in Miami. He went 15 and 17 in those two years before he made the jump back to college and we know the rest is history six championships later seven total the most winningest coach in college football history then chip kelly chip kelly's another guy who we know had great success at oregon he went on and took the job with the philadelphia eagles have no idea how he got the job he did go 10 and 6 in his first two seasons but that was more so of what he inherited as far as the players that were there, LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, 
And then after three seasons in Philly, somehow, someway, this dude got another NFL job. Rex Ruiz, if you're listening, man, I, I, I feel for you being a 49ers fan, having to deal with this guy in that 2016 season where Chip Kelly led the 49ers to a 2-14 and record. So those are a few situations where, okay, it didn't work. There's college coaches who make the jump to the NFL, and it just doesn't work. And I know somebody's out there saying, well, what about Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll made the jump from USC to Seattle, and look what he's done. You know what? Pete Carroll's actually an NFL coach first. He spent several years as an assistant, as a coordinator in the NFL. Then he went to college to come to become the head coach for the USC Trojans, leading into national championships, and then making the move back to the NFL. So a lot of times, guys who are NFL coaches first, even if they dabble some in the college football world, they come right back to the NFL. That's where their heart is. I mean, you look at Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers currently. Of course, we know he won a national championship at LSU with Joe Burrow and Edwards Alaire and Jamar Chase, all those guys, that historic season that they had from a season ago. He was with the Saints first. He was with the Saints. And then he had just a fantastic year, one that could dream of for any coach, any coordinator down in Baton Rouge. One season removed from that, he jumps right back to the NFL. So NFL coaches that want to be NFL coaches are usually NFL coaches first. So they may go get some experience in college and maybe a promotion from being an assistant to being a coordinator. But they usually go right back to the NFL. So when you have guys who are known college football coaches first, that's usually where they're going to have their most success. But, you know, these guys that have success at the college level, there's always that itch to, you know what, maybe I should try my hand at the NFL. I could, I can do both. You know, that, that kind of type A personality where, you know, I never lose. I can conquer any challenge. And just because you have success at one level don't mean you're going to have success at the next level, especially at a professional level where the landscape is totally different. I mean, you're looking at college kids, they're 18, 19, 20 year old, years old, very impressionable. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is how it's going to be. This is going to line up and we're going to look. I look at you as a father figure as the head coach. So when NFL, these guys are making millions of dollars. These are grown men. You're not you can't talk to a 30 year old the same way you do as an 18 year old. It takes a very special person, a very special communicator to be able to reach a person of all different levels, different age groups, different different ethnicities. Uh, it takes a special communicator who can get the same message across regardless of what their background is. So I think that's where a lot of these coaches, college coaches, dive right back to college because they understand it's easier to kind of control a situation when it's an 18, 19-year-old kid. NFL, totally different ball game. These guys will make that move, and they'll jump right back to the college game. Now, Urban Meyer, who knows how long he'll be in the NFL. I'll give it three years tops. I'm going to say after three years he's going to retire or just find a college job that fits him because – it's all about that itch. I just want to scratch that itch. I want to say at least I did it. I did coaching the NFL. I, whether it worked or not, I gave it a shot, and there's no regrets there. So now there's some current NFL head coaches who have coaching 
experience at the college level. You look at Matt Rule, who was at Temple, now he's with the Carolina Panthers. You look at Cliff Kingsbury, who was at Texas Tech, now he's with the Arizona Cardinals. It does kind of suit today's college game, the way NFL has changed and become more offensively driven. There's more you know, read options and RPOs and things that are similar to the college game. But, you know, Cliff Kingsbury didn't have success at Texas Tech, but he got the job in Arizona regardless, and that led to them picking Kyler Murray due to his relationship with Kyler Murray. Matt Rule had some success at Temple, but it is Temple. So, you know, he had great success there, but like I said, it's kind of he wasn't like on a national stage where it was, you know, a lot of uh, high expectations or anything like that. So him making the job to Carolina was a you know, eye-opener, a very surprising move by the Panthers, and I think they gave him a seven-year deal in the process as well. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have done that, but, you know, going, going back to Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, guys like that who absolutely hate losing, and they have won at the highest stage, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Florida. Here's Urban Meyer giving his hand. He's giving his take. We've seen Saban do it. It lasted two years. He fell into a perfect situation back in Alabama. I'm going to say, like I mentioned, Urban Meyer, three years tops. I don't think he does anything in the NFL long-lasting. I think he'll jump right back to the college level, and he'll pick right back up and continue his winning ways or his eyes that tend to look the other way as we know how Urban Meyer severely mishandled that situation back in Columbus with his former assistant, Zach Smith, who was charged for domestic abuse. And we, you can like Urban Meyer. You may not like him. I think depending on where you live, he is a big name. He will always be a big name. And that's why some of these coaches as well make the jump to the NFL because if they get fired tomorrow, they'll be the hottest name back on the college market. I mean, Jeff Fisher is a guy who didn't have success or relative success in the NFL. He They call him Mr. 8-8 eight because eight he always went 8-8 eight eight with the Titans. But it's like as soon as he was fired, he was the hottest thing in the NFL and even in college. Maybe he'll go to USC and coach when they have openings. And so it's something about that name. And Urban Meyer certainly has that name. So even if he doesn't have success in Jacksonville, he'll still be one of the biggest coaching names on the market. Now, the second part of Urban Meyer becoming the head coach in Jacksonville is who will the Jaguars take with the number one pick? Will it be Trevor Lawrence, the presumed number one for the last two years? Or will it be Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio State? As we all know, the ties to Ohio State from Urban Meyer, even though he didn't coach Justin Fields, he is around the program constantly and, you know, constant communication with he and Ryan Day. So he knows all about Justin Fields, who he is as a player and as a person. So, you know, originally when the rumors started to surface weeks ago about Urban Meyer becoming the head coach in Jacksonville. It was right around the time when Justin Fields had that six-touchdown game against the Clemson Tigers. And, you know, I was like, oh, man, watch out. Hey, if Meyer does get the job in Jacksonville, he could take Justin Fields, especially if Fields goes on the ball against the Alabama Crimson Tide in the national championship, which, you know, of course he didn't, and they lost 52-24. Congratulations, Crimson Tide fans. But as we know, 
Ohio State, Justin Fields, Urban Meyer, it seems to make sense. But when I came across this soundbite from Urban Meyer back in August 2019 during Fox College Football Show Big Noon Kickoff, it changed my mind and it kind of shows where Urban Meyer will probably be leaning as far as his very first pick, the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? Take a listen to the soundbite. I think you'll have a clue which way Urban Meyer will go. The only thing I think is a little different, Reggie, is that this, that in 2008, we won a national title. 2014, we won a national title. We were preseason number one. The game changes. Your team changes. The staff changes. Everything changes. It's very hard to repeat. Look at the National Football League, Major League Baseball, the NBA. It's very hard to repeat. Matter of fact, in 2016, after the Cubs won the World Series, I sat down with Joe Madden. We just had that conversation. And it was how his team changed from one year to the other. Once you win it, everything changes. Yeah. And that's why you got to have great respect. The schedules line up, elite quarterbacks. It's very hard to repeat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Dabo Sweeney, as long as he can keep that team, uh, the quarterback's the best quarterback yeah. in college yeah. football. However, what about the rest of the team? Are they able to stay focused and, and keep swinging like they swung last year? So that was audio from Fox College Football Show Big Noon Kickoff with Rob Stone, Matt Leinart, Brady Quinn, Urban Meyer, and Reggie Bush. So that audio comes from Fox Sports College Football Show Big Noon Kickoff with Matt Leinart, Rob Stone, Urban Meyer, Reggie Bush, and Brady Quinn. And in that segment, they discussed would there be a fifth matchup between Alabama and Clemson, what we see part five and like I said this is back from August 2019 but you heard Urban Meyer say two things one he mentioned that Trevor Lawrence he didn't say his name but he talked about Clemson and Dabo Swinney he said the quarterback is the best quarterback in college football so I think that lets you know how much praise he has for Trevor Lawrence. And like I said, that was the start of the 2019 season. So that was before any Justin Fields uh, play at Ohio State. But I do believe there's no way the Jacksonville Jaguars will pass up a Trevor Lawrence, knowing the re, uh, just kind of the hype that's been around Trevor Lawrence ever since he won that national championship against Alabama during his freshman year. It was okay. He's a first. He's a number one pick from that game. Ever since that game, he is a presumed number one pick. And I don't see the Jaguars doing anything different to surpass an opportunity to draft a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Whether it works out or not, that remains to be seen. But I believe it's pretty safe to say that Trevor Lawrence will indeed be the next quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the second part that Urban Meyer mentioned during that soundbite is how hard it is to continue success year after year at the professional level. He mentioned NBA, NFL, MLB. He uh, spoke on his conversation with Joe Madden after their 2016 World Series. So I think that also kind of tells you You know what? He said how tough it is to win in the NFL consistently. So if you don't see in those first two years some huge improvement that, okay, the third year could be the year where they finally make some noise in the playoffs, be prepared for that third year in Jacksonville to be the make-or-break season for Urban Meyer. Maybe not for the Jaguars, but for 
Urban Meyer himself on whether he should continue his coaching career at the NFL ranks. I could be wrong. I could be right. But I'm I'm going out on a limb and saying Urban Meyer does not last long in Jacksonville, not because of poor record, but just because of his desire to get back to the college game, coaching 19- and 20-year-old kids, and chasing another national championship before ultimately deciding to hang him up. Hey, this is Teresa Reynolds for the Wicksburg Panthers. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. RLC Shirts is a family-owned and operated custom apparel and gift business, providing custom printing and embroidery on t-shirts, polos, hats, boots, baby apparel, scarves, bags, and more. For churches, schools, sports organizations, family reunion t-shirts, or businesses that need personalized workwear or promotional apparel, RLC Shirts can help with no minimum order. Phone 334-899-4339 or online rlcshirts.com. Care Animal Center is a business ministry partner with the Joy FM. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that's dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is care-animal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan. Phone 334-794-6333. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is a proud business ministry partner with the Joy FM. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Now locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp, Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Phone 334-671-POOL. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Hey, this is Jarvis Hayes, former Slocum Red Top and Troy Trojan. You are listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch Penny Pool Patio and Spa. As we continue talking about the NFL, the first segment we talked about Urban Meyer, as he is now the new head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now we're going to dive into some of the games on tap for the weekend, as on Saturday you have the Rams and the Packers, 3.35 p.m. on Fox. Later that day, Baltimore Buffalo on NBC at 7.15 p.m. Then on Sunday, Cleveland, Kansas City on CBS at 2.05 p.m. Then Tampa Bay, New Orleans on Fox, 5.40 p.m. Saints, Buccaneers, Brady and Breeze. Will this be the final matchup between these two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks? We shall see. Now, I decided to do a scenario based on my confident level as far as picks goes with these four games that are on tap for the weekend. So I'm going to call this confidence or lack thereof. So I'm going to give, like there's four games, obviously. 
Starting with number four, that's going to be my most confident pick. And as I count down to one, one would be my least confident pick. But I wanted to give my thoughts on this whole NFL playoff scenario, even though my Pittsburgh Steelers are no longer in the playoffs. We had maybe the one of the worst showings, worst starts I could imagine in NFL history. Uh, I may be over-exaggerating, but down 28-0 in the first quarter. Uh, you, you ever have one of those feelings where you just know going into a game of one of your teams that this isn't going to end well? Like, I just had a weird feeling all week that Cleveland was going to be ready to play and it was going to be bad. I mean, all day on Sunday, you know, just had that weird feeling. I wasn't really excited for that playoff matchup that Sunday night. And, I mean, of course, it's playoffs. It's your, it's your team. It's my Steelers. But I was just wasn't really highly anticipating a great outcome. So, as I mentioned before in previous episodes, I coached 9 and 10-year-old boys basketball. We had practice that Sunday night from 5 to 6. And, you know, I, I stayed a little later talking to a few people. And so, you know, by the time I got home, it was 14-0. And, and I saw how that 14 points came about, and it's just like, oh, here we go. I knew it. I knew this was about to happen. I didn't know it was going to be to the extent of 28 points in the first quarter, but I did have that feeling that the Steelers were not going to advance past the Browns. Now, getting past me dwelling in my woes on my Pittsburgh Steelers as we prepare for the offseason now, confidence or lack thereof, starting at number four, the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Browns are looking pretty good. I mean, they've been dealt, you know, a, a rough hand of injuries, which every team pretty much at this point has. Um, but, man, Odell Beckham going down against the Bengals several weeks ago, back in October, Baker Mayfield has turned into a brand-new quarterback, and I love Baker Mayfield. I, I love his commercials. I love his personality. I love his confidence. I know some people may say it's arrogance, but, you know, he has this kind of a chip-on-the-shoulder mentality that he's had to deal with his entire life. I mean, going from high school to college where TCU and Gary Patterson, there was supposed to be an offer there, and I think there was an offer, but Gary Patterson didn't really sign off on it. So Baker Mayfield ended up having to walk on at Texas Tech, and in his freshman year, he led them to like a 5-0 and record. He gets hurt, then he loses his job, and he ends up transferring to Oklahoma and Heisman Trophy winner, number one pick. I like Baker Mayfield. I, I like his, his confidence and just the way he goes about handling business. Now, I think that type of confidence can rub off on the entire team, and you want your quarterback to be someone with confidence, whether it's vocal or, you know, non-vocal or non-verbal just it's still your your body language players can tell if you're confident or if you're just kind of a you know not sure of yourself type situation and you know every team needs their quarterback their leader to be someone who is certain about the direction of the team and his role on the team as well now Baker Mayfield ever since Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt against the Bengals in his last nine games, he has 14 touchdowns, only one pick. And I had a conversation with my friend Chris Liutzi about how I felt that was directly correlated to Odell Beckham Jr. not being there. Because when you have a diva receiver 
a receiver who wants the ball. Throw it to me. I'm open. I'm always open. That plays in a quarterback's mind, and now you feel like you have to cater to him more than you should just go through your reads and your progression. I mean, as a quarterback, there's pre-snap reads. You're looking at the coverage. Okay, this is the play we called. What is open against this coverage? Do I need to adjust or audible or hot route to a certain type of uh, play for my receivers to get this to work against this uh, particular look? So when you have a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. and most number one receivers who want the ball, claiming for the ball, they're always going to say they're open, throw it to me. They're constantly chirping. I mean, we've seen Beckham and his antics in New York. Why do you think that's changed in Cleveland? And so even though you haven't really heard much about it, I think it still goes on, at least from a quarterback in the back of your mind, even if he doesn't say it, uh, Beckham's never said it, which I think he has, but to say he didn't, in the back of your mind, you know, I got to keep him healthy. I got to keep him happy. I'm sorry. Got to keep him happy because if he's not happy, then that could be just a downward spiral for our entire team. So the fact that Baker has actually improved his play, the Browns have looked better without Beckham, I think it says to the Cleveland Browns that you're probably better off without Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe they'll finally catch the hint and see it for what it is because when they acquired Beckham, I was like, okay, great move by the Giants, but not great great move for for the Browns. As we know, Mayfield, I spoke on his his personality, and you don't want to mix that with too many other guys who are going to challenge that personality. So Cleveland, here they are, playing against Kansas City, the defending champions. Patrick Mahomes, we know, is the best quarterback in the NFL. Some of the things that he does at the age of, I think, 24 is insane, and it's frustrating. You've heard me talk about it before with me being a Steelers fan. This guy isn't going anywhere anytime soon, and the AFC will always have to be go have to go through Kansas City at some point because they're going to be through the thick of things just because of his young age and his talent level at such a very young age. Now, the Chiefs last year, every game they won on the way to that Super Bowl, they had to come back from a 10-point deficit. I don't think they want to create recreate their recipe this year. Not saying they can't do it, but of course they could. They uh, have him and Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends in the game. Tariq Hill, one of the fastest players in the game. Uh, that defense has been improved and quietly surprisingly good. They have some stars on that side of the ball as well with Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones, guys like that. But this Chiefs game against the Browns, can the Browns keep up with the Chiefs? Because the Browns' defense, it's, it, they can they can play well at times, but can they score enough? Can this offense of Cleveland score enough to keep up with Kansas City? Because Kansas City will score. You're not going to shut them down. You may contain them for a little bit, but you won't completely shut them out. So Kansas City, even though they, you know, it's kind of a misconception that, you know, okay, they're the best team in the NFL, but it's not like they're the best team by far. Like, they don't blow anybody out, or at least they haven't this year. If you go back and look at all their games, literally most of their games came down between three points, six points, seven points, a one-possession type game. I'm going to name them all for you. Going back to November 8th, the Carolina Panthers, they beat them 33-31. They beat the Raiders 35-31. They beat the Buccaneers 27-24. They beat the Broncos 
beat the Dolphins 33-27, beat the Saints 32-29, and beat the Falcons 17-14. So you're looking at their last seven wins. They won all by one possession. So, you know, you ask people who's the best team in the NFL, they're clearly, say, the Kansas City Chiefs. But it's not like they annihilate teams. They just scrape by, find a way to get it done, which it can be a positive thing, too, in a way, because you're saying, okay, in all these close games, they still win it. And that's what you need, especially in the NFL, when there's so, you know, small room for mar- for margin of error that you need to win close games. You don't want to be on the flip side like the Chargers, who have been that franchise for several years that – they just constantly lose close games, which ultimately led to Anthony Lynn getting fired. And and it's not just Anthony Lynn. I mean, this is something the Chargers have dealt with for several years, the inability to win close games. So the fact that the team in their own division, the Kansas City Chiefs, are able to come away with wins consistently, close or not, you know, it, you can't go against Kansas City in this game. I'm going Kansas City to win. I'm not going to give a score, but I'm just going to give Kansas City the win. They'll move on to the AFC Conference Championship. Now, number three, number three as far as confidence or lack thereof, the Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers. You know, the Rams, uh, they have a very stout defense, one of the best defenses, if not the best, in the entire NFL, especially, uh, you know, that pass defense with Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill and Darius Williams. I mean, this Rams defense is a force to be reckoned with, and anybody they go against offensively is going to have a hard time scoring points that day. So, uh, you know, this Rams defense, as I mentioned, Aaron Donald on there, Leonard Floyd. I mean, you're looking at Morgan Fox, just some studs on that side of the ball. But offensively for the Rams with Cooper Cup, is he fully healthy will he be able to make a huge impact in this game as we know he was banged up against the Seattle Seahawks in the wild card round I hope he is good to go because he's one of the best receivers in the NFL probably top 15 you could say Uh, but they do have Robert Woods and it's really kind of that one-two punch for the receivers go with Josh Reynolds a third receiver that they have as an option as well but it's really more so on Jared Goff is he healthy he broke his thumb a few weeks ago he had to play against the Seahawks because John Walford got hurt and suffered that injury where he had to leave the game so now it's Jared Goff I mean how healthy is Jared Goff in that thumb I mean this is a quarterback who's going to have to play in what's forecasted as 35 degree weather at Lambeau Field with a recently surgically repaired broken thumb. Going against that Green Bay defense of Kenny Clark and the Smith boys, the Darius Smith and Preston Smith, Jair Alexander at cornerback who completely shuts down that side of the field, one of the best cornerbacks in the entire NFL. Do the Rams have a chance in this game? They do have a chance. They do have a great chance because of that defense. That defense keeps them in every game, but can they score enough offensively to beat the Packers? You know, the whole adage for, you know, great you know defenses win championships, that's true to an extent, but so much has changed in recent years with these offenses and how quick they can score and how many points they can score and how the NFL has catered to the offenses. There's more points that needs to be scored these days. So 
they say if you're going to beat a great defense, you need a great offense. And that's what the Packers have with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, who will more than likely win another MVP award this year. And so he and Devontae Adams, amazing receiver there for the Packers. Aaron Jones is kind of the forgotten running back who can do it all. He can rush. He can catch. He does it everything for the Packers. He's kind of the forgotten star in that group. He's the other Aaron, if you will. So going into this matchup in Lambeau Field with Jared Goff and his recently repaired broken thumb, I got to go Packers. I'm going Packers. Packers are going to win this game. I don't see them losing at all if they did. I would be shocked, but not 100% shocked because this Ram defense is going to make it tough for the Packers. And when I saw Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense go against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers several weeks ago, I was like, okay, this is the recipe to beat the Packers. You need a front four, front seven that can consistently get pressure on Aaron Rodgers and make that day just an insanely difficult day for one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. But I think the Packers and Matt LaFleur, they'll game plan a way to neutralize Aaron Donald and his pass rush and Leonard Floyd, and I think the Packers will come away victors against the Rams. Number two in confidence or lack thereof, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. New Orleans is just as about complete of a team as you could think think of I mean they have everything you want offensively Kamara Breeze Thomas Emmanuel Sanders that was the signing that really put them over the edge because I felt like you know last year Michael Thomas had 149 catches the next closest I think was Alvin Kamara at 81 but the next closest receiver after Michael Thomas was Ted Ginn with 30 you know so this is where they really made their move is getting a guy like Emmanuel Sanders to help create more options for Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So with that offense that's much improved, to go along with that defense with Marshawn Lattimore, Cameron Jordan, Quan Alexander, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I mean, they have just a very complete team and you know, they've won both matchups against the Buccaneers this year as the Saints went on to win that division. And we know the Buccaneers, how much talk they've received during the offseason throughout the season with Brady coming over, Antonio Brown coming back into the NFL to join them. They have everything you could ask for as well, offensively and defensively. And I do feel like they're starting to put it all together. I mean, you know, they had their lumps and bruises along the way, which is expected. I mean, a lot of new personnel, a lot, a lot of new personalities. You're trying to figure out how to keep everybody involved. And so as much as I like the Saints as far as their team makeup, they say it's hard to beat a team three times in the same season. And I think that remains to be true with the Buccaneers and the Saints. So... You know, the Saints, we know that when they have that home crowd behind them in New Orleans, that is one of the toughest places to play, if not the toughest places to play. They don't have that luxury this year with fans or not a full allotment of fans being allowed in the stadium. So there's a lot of 
noise, fake noise that's being pumped into the stadium. So with the Buccaneers, I feel like they're clicking. I feel like they're hitting their stride offensively and defensively. I'm going with the Buccaneers to pull away and pull out a W in New Orleans. I know it's not a popular pick, and most people probably aren't suggesting or predicting it, but I'm going with the Buccaneers. I've and it's not like, okay, you look at the, the, them on paper and how great they should be. I really feel like they're starting to find their way, find who they really are. It's taking them a while, which, like I said, is expected. But I do think the Buccaneers will come away out on top. It'll be a very close matchup. I don't think it'll be one-sided either way. And the Buccaneers will be able to erase that 0-2 mark that they suffered against the Saints during the regular season. Now, number one, as far as confidence or lack thereof, this is the one pick, the number one pick that I am completely uncertain about, and it's Baltimore and Buffalo. We know Lamar Jackson, you think of the Ravens, that's who you think about is Lamar, his extraordinary play as far as his dynamic play, what he can do with the ball, what he can do with his feet. And he won his first playoff game last week against the Tennessee Titans. And here he goes to Buffalo, where he said he's never played in cold weather before, in or or snow, I should say. It's cold in Baltimore, but he said he's never played in snow before. And there's potentially a chance that it could snow in Buffalo on Saturday night. So, you know that doesn't bode well for this Ravens team when your quarterback has never played in snow. Your offense isn't electric as, as far as the passing games go. We know in the running game with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram and Lamar, of course, what they can do and how they can cause headaches for any opposing defenses, but that passing game isn't the best, and it's not solely on Lamar. I mean, their receiving core does not scare you by any means. I mean, Hollywood Brown, we know he's a speedster, he can make plays, but uh, Mark Andrews is really Lamar Jackson's best target, and he's a tight end. And not saying your tight end can't be your best target, but it can't be your only consistent target. So with Buffalo, didn't see this coming for Josh Allen, who threw for over 4,500 yards this year, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And that receiving core with Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, you're looking at John Brown, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, who had three touchdowns against the Dolphins in Week 17, which was one of them was a punt return. The player from Georgia, we all know, who was electric anytime he gets the ball on his hands. But this offense is good. The defense is starting to find their ways, too, with Tredavious White, one of the best corners. You have Josh Norman out there. You have Micah Hyde. You have Jordan Poyer, Matt Milano, Ed Oliver. This defense is really good, too. And so... I think they're willing to meet this challenge against the Ravens. The Ravens are good, they're, especially in that run game, as I've mentioned. But I feel like the Buffalo Bills are a more complete team passing the ball, running the ball with, you know, Zach Moss is unfortunately out with an ankle injury. But Singletary is there. They signed Devontae Freeman. Defensively, I named all the guys and how just good they are and how I think they're ready to meet that challenge in Buffalo as they won their first game in Buffalo for over two decades in far as postseason goes. And here they go with another opportunity to advance and build that momentum that they have uh, with Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott there. 
I do have the Bills winning this game, advancing to the conference championship. So you'll be looking at Buffalo and Kansas City in the AFC. And the NFC, Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Rodgers, Brady. It'll be another storyline for the media to run away with. So Buffalo, Kansas City, AFC Championship, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, NFC Championship. But first things first, the divisional round matchups have to be sorted out. And then we'll take a closer look on how my predictions and the games played out. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game. Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Denny Vision is a proud supporter of the Joy FM, and their number one priority is patient satisfaction. They strive to provide a positive experience from the moment each person walks into the office. Denny Vision has an optical lab to create lenses on site, along with a selection of designer optical and sunglass frames. They focus on promoting good eye health while assisting patients in having the clearest vision possible. Their doctors help see the difference, which is their slogan. Located at 151 East Main Street in Dothan, online at DennyVision.com or phone 334-793-2633. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa. As we close with today's Triple C segment, Corey's closing comments, this is what I want to share with you today. If you have to force, reverse course. If you have to force, reverse course. And what that means is, you know, sometimes we're in a dilemma on certain decisions we have to make. Which way do we go? And we know the destination, we know what the desired outcome is, but sometimes when you're trying to make that particular outcome happen, it seems forced. Like, you're trying to get it done, but nothing works out. I mean, you're hitting road bump and everything that could possibly happen, it happens, any obstacle that you could imagine. And when that happens, you have to determine, first of all, you want to pray about it. And you want to determine after praying, okay, is this God showing me that this isn't the time or is this the enemy trying to keep this from happening? So when you pray, ask God to give you clarity. God, is this the time? Should I wait? Am I trying to force something happen that you've already worked out? So always remember, if you have to force, reverse course. Slow down, take a step back, pray about it, 
figure out what the next step in that process should be. And as we always say, there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot. Stay in the sweet spot on the Joy FM Sports Facebook page. This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game.